Our next guests are the co-hosts of the very popular radio program entitled The Big Show. The Big Show. This is The Big Show. They call me Hollywood. Here come The Big Show. Big Show. Ladies and gentlemen, The Big Show. It's The Big Show. Is everybody ready? It's Thirsty Thursday. Happy Thursday. Let's get rolling. This is The Big Show on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. That's right. It is The Big Show. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Jake Scott with you from our Vivint Smart Home Arena Studios. Austin Horton across the glass from me and safely social distancing from the Casa de Monson. The one, the only, the opulent Gordon Monson. Hello, Gordon. Jake, how are you today? I'm good. I've got new headphones today, and uh, they're they're nice. They they feel good. Here, say something. Let me see how. Let me let me put on a test run. Say something. Yeah, yeah. Say something. Jake. Uh, I hope your headphones are comfortable and uh, and uh, highly tuned. You know what? They are highly tuned, Gordon. That that sounded pretty good. How are you? Well, how are things over there? Are you doing all right? How's the house? I, I'm doing fine and uh, just finished up, just polished off some lunch. And, uh, you know, I noticed sometimes Austin brown bags his lunch into the show. I don't know whether it's lunch or is it dinner, Austin. What is it? Why Why would it be dinner? I don't it, know. It's lunch. The time of day. I mean, do you usually have a late lunch? Usually have a little bit of a snack lunch and then a snack during the show. Yeah. Now I know you, I know Austin works really really hard, but what time are you thinking he's going home at night? Well, I mean he he I see him have in a brown bag in it, and so I thought I thought well wait a second because he might be eating that around four o'clock, and so I just thought that was kind of a tweener meal. I, I don't know whether it's lunch or dinner, or maybe it's a little bit of both. I, it's dinner. It. Well, you're Linner. you're the one in the group who eats dinner at four o'clock p.m. But uh, <laughs> you haven't even seen Austin in two months. How would you know what he's doing for uh, for lunch? Because I I notice these things uh, day after day via the work together. ESP. No, I've seen it. I know what his pattern. I is. see Austin. I see Austin at his brown bag lunch. Austin is is now going into the the he appears to have a brown bag in his hand. Yeah, I don't Jake, know. What? Unlike you, I I actually observe what my coworkers and friends are doing, and so I saw him day after day for years eating a sandwich or something out of a brown bag. And so that's why I know. I don't have to have seen it yesterday. I'm not sure I've ever used a brown bag once in my life. But you're meaning metaphorically, like, right? Oh, was that yours, that little pony lunchbox I yes. saw? Yep, that's mine. <laughs> okay. The, I pack- the Care Bear one got lost. So. I packed my own lunch today. I packed Did a lunch they? yesterday. Yeah, I think. Are you guys... A lot are of you people guys, are packing uh, the lunch to, to work these days. Do you always eat... Within a certain time frame, like is breakfast at eight o'clock in the morning every day? Is lunch every day from twelve to one? Is dinner from five to six? I know that can't be the case with Jake, you and me, because we're obviously on the show. But I just wondered: are you in a pattern? Well, no, no, 
No, because so I, I think map. most of us are experiencing like life. And sometimes, you know, your dinner isn't hot and ready on the table when uh, you set foot through the door. <laughs> I said nothing about who was preparing what. Dinner better just, be on the table at 530 stat is not, you know, something a lot of people do anymore. That's too bad. I, I read a study once. In fact, I wrote, a, I wrote an article about this once about family dinner and bemoaning the loss of it because the kids are in you know under normal circumstances are running in three different directions the parents have this that to take care of and so that sit down time as a family has become a casualty of our busy lives and according to experts who study this kind of thing say it's had a detrimental effect on many families uh, I guess I'm I'm still in favor of the family dinner. Certainly, I'm more saying it's it's more tough to have it right at five thirty or right at six or whatever the case may be. May be. Sometimes you have late dinner. Sometimes you're running late getting home from work. Sometimes you're having breakfast at seven instead of eight because you're running out the door. That's I guess more what I'm getting at. You asked if people were militant about what time they ate, and I'm not so sure. Okay. Well, uh, I mean, certain things get in the way of that kind of routine. And poor little Sadie, because she might have dinner at 4.30 one night and at 8.30 the next, according to the whims of Jake Scott. She's surviving. She's doing all right. Seems happy. (laughs) So it's okay. What do you mean, so it's okay? By your judgmental (laughs) standards? Is that what you're asking? Are you judging my parenting ability? She'll eat when uh, we galdern like it. (laughs) Okay. All right, if that's the way you want to roll. Unless she can start figuring out how to open her own Belvita crackers, she's at our mercy. <laughs> the, the biscuits, Jake. Yeah. <laughs> come on. What do you mean, Jake, come I, on? I'm, I'm starting to worry about Jake's parenting, Austin. Uh, you know, he, you know he, he sounds like he's parenting according to what's convenient for him. I hope he's doing it right because I'm following him. whatever he's doing. I'm doing it, <laughs> my so. man. When she can, when she can uh, is tall enough to boil her own mac and cheese instead of depending on me to do it. Well, then maybe the tides will have turned. But at this point, it's it's your way or the highway. When huh? uh, when dinner's ready to hit the table, that's when it hits the table. All right, I see how it is. What do you okay. mean you see how it is? <laughs> it's you're you're. You're doing whatever is best for you. What, what if I left the big show every day at 4.30 because dinner is at 5 <laughs> o'clock. Right. You and Jake hang out. I got to go. And, and since, I'll be back later. Since I'm here with you until after your traditional dinner time, and sometimes I, I rely upon my wife to pay, you know, uh, for what time we will actually have dinner, and she is a very... A uh, professional woman, you know, if she calls yeah. me and says, I, I just got swamped at work and uh, dinner's going to be a, a little bit late or or worse yet, you think you could do it tonight and it doesn't get on the table until a little bit later, Gordon, I, I think we're going to forgive ourselves. All right. OK. Fine with me. Be that way. What do you mean you know, be I that for- way? I am judging my parenting. <laughs> How dare you? How dare you? <laughs> See, we usually eat between six and seven. You know, or seven or eight, whatever. Whatever's work is done. You're right. I mean, but I don't have a, a young one, you know, to be uh, to be uh, concerned about. So if, if, if your dinner, if that witching hour of 7 p.m. comes and goes, 
and Gordon hasn't had his hot meal. What are the <laughs> what are the consequences? <laughs> oh man, I, I I'm like you, Jake. I I I eat when I can. That's all. No, I, I don't. I'm not one of those guys that comes barging in the front door all chauvinistic and whatnot. You know, I'm 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 grateful for whatever I can get. Yeah, it doesn't doesn't sound like you're that way at all. I have talked with you many times, Jake, as you've been leaving the show and you say uh, Naz has been really busy and I'd like to help out. So I'm going to stop and pick something up on the way home. I've I've witnessed that. So uh, good on you, because you're doing everything you can to make things right at home. And listen, listen here, sir. <laughs> Not only am I cooking tonight, but I cooked dinner on Monday. What'd you cook? Uh, Monday I cooked chili dogs. <laughs> Wait okay. a minute. Right. I did. <laughs> How do you make a chili dog? You find a can opener. Well, yes. <laughs> well, first of all, you start with the finest Nally chili. Now, don't be Nally's casserole chili. this thing. No, no, no. Finest. The finest <laughs> Nally's finest. chili. Is there, are there different grades of Nally's chili? You know, the... I'm with you. Nally's is the best. When it, it depends. You know, Nally's that's canned January through March usually isn't quite as, as tasty as from March on. Having what? to do with the bean harvest. What do you mean, what? <laughs> I don't know. You pick a, na- a can of Nally's chili, you so- pop open some hot dogs, you fire up the grill, do it. We don't have hot dog buns, but you know what? Sliced white bread will do. You dump chili onto the said hot dog, fire together a salad, and uh, maybe, you know, like a, a starch if you're really filling it. But, you know. you got to have chips with chili dogs. Uh, so so have chips. Yes. So, so essentially, you open the package of wieners, essentially. Hey, bean casserole, I don't want to hear it from you. I, I don't, I don't yeah, want to hear it. Chef Boyardee piped down right. there. I don't, I don't want to hear it from you. Tonight, we're having asparagus and uh, and salmon, and I have a cedar plank that I'm going to cook the salmon on on the, yeah? uh, on the grill. At All what right. time? Well, that, well, that's what uh, I like it. Well, if, it, the, if the government permitted, Austin, I'd invite you over. <laughs> I'll take had, it on the curb. <laughs> I, had, I had salmon last night. It's nice. very tasty. Very one upping your salmon. He is one upping my salmon. But you know what? <laughs> wow. I, I I find easy ways to make meals because I'm not good at cooking, but I do like to uh, to help with dinner when I possibly can. I want to see the look on Lisa's face the day I say she says to me, "Hey, I've been busy. What's for dinner?" And I say to her, "Well, I just opened a can of, of chili and dumped some hot dogs in it. There you go." I, didn't, I, don't, I, don't I did not gonna... dump hot dogs into the chili. Have you never had a chili dog? <laughs> you put the chili on the dog, but you didn't even have hot dog buns. You had a piece of white bread. Well, I had two hot dogs, so thus I had two pieces of white bread with both hot dogs underneath. <laughs> and, and sounds like kind of a lame dinner. I... But... Lame dinner? <laughs> How, sounds sounds was... phenomenal, actually. How, yeah, first of all, it was amazing. It was amazing. <laughs> It was filling. I could have survived two weeks on that meal. It was incredible. <laughs> and, and second of all, I, I absolutely don't want to hear it from you. The one thing you prepare a year don't is bean casserole here. at Thanksgiving. Outside of that, you who say, wow, why do sandwiches taste so much better when somebody else made them? I don't, I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. <laughs> okay, Jim. Don't come here once every two years and be criticizing. Not from you, pal. Chili dog. <laughs> I can ask the chili dog questions. <laughs> oh, 
Marco, show some class. He called my my dinner prep lame. <laughs> well, I mean, open up a can. <laughs> That's what you do. That's what you do with your bean up, recipe. And, and by the way, when was the last dogs. when was the last meal that you prepared and planned yourself? All of it. Yeah, like the whole thing. Like Lisa whole, didn't do meal. Lisa didn't do anything. Well, I think I would be. Uh, I think I'm well within the capability of opening a can. Of chili not the question. And dumping it. Not on not the question. <laughs> not the question remotely. My question to you is: When did? When were you solely responsible for the planning and preparation of dinner? How long has it been? Who was president when that happened? <laughs> well, there have been many times when I've bought dinner. That's not what I. That was not the question. Again, well, someone else that was hey, yeah, that someone hey, else preparing. No, no, it. no. no, no, no. I, I, I'm providing dinner one way or the it, other. Well, my point is, it's a lot better than opening a can of chili. My, bill, my point on. is, is that uh, I- until you do, you can uh, park your criticism <laughs> somewhere else, please. <laughs> okay, fair enough. And sorry, by the way, you sorry, did one up my salmon, and now I'm in a bad mood. Oh, that salmon was so good last and it come, night. It's a, lot, I'm, a lot better than the one you're going to make tonight. Wow, what's the matter? What's all these personal <laughs> shots? What did I do? With every bite tonight, and Jake's I mean, just going to just, Gordon. <laughs> why is talking about food and Gordon's just <laughs> shooting me down? Lame? All this? What's with the personal attacks? What did I do? I don't know. I'm just getting even for all the times you've attacked me and I haven't retaliated. Oh, you retaliate every time. <laughs> Jake, I'm just kidding around. I'm talking about food because I just got done with a lunch that I prepared for myself, and it was it was fine. And so it was on my mind. That's all. You know, these days, especially in this environment, I think a lot of people are taking what they can get when they can get it, and they should. You know, as long as you got food on your table, then appreciation is the word. Here, here. Coming up next. We're going to talk some college football. Dennis Dodd had some interesting comments when he was on with Hanson Scotty earlier today about what's what's going on currently about conferences and teams planning on what to do in the fall. We'll get to it coming up straight ahead. Gordon's got a column out today uh, uh, about Frank Layden. Gordon and Frank's going to be on the show at the top 3 o'clock hour. Got through the column. Thought it was really good. Uh, Frank. Thank you. Yeah, uh, it's going to be good to have Frank on. Yeah, good a good type of person to talk to during these times positive uh outlook and you you really captured that well gordon he's been through a lot in his lifetime and this is something new even for him but uh i thought he brought a, a great perspective so he'll be with us at the top of the three o'clock hour what's going on we'll do at 3 30 a mountain america market update at 350 sam amick on the show at the top of the four o'clock hour the not not sports report at 450 and uh, we'll get into the 5 o'clock hour uh, from there. We're going to talk a, a little NFL with Mike Sando, our good friend from The Athletics. So stay tuned for that. It is the big show, 97.5 and 1280 in the zone. I got the Thanksgiving. I got the Classic. And I got the Rickster. And I ordered cherry pie. Food is fuel. <laughs> Show Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Band of the Day today, The Beach Boys, selected by Austin and brought to you by Live Nation Concerts. Buy concert tickets and get the latest tour news and artist insight at LiveNation.com. Austin, any particular uh, inspiration? Uh, Gordon and I were 
talking about visiting the beach during the break. And I thought, hey, let's go with that. Like you're you're planning one now or? No, no, no. Not together. Right, Gordon? No, not. Well, I mean, not that I would have any problem with doing that. I'm sure Austin is a lot of fun to vacation with. Uh, but uh, anyway. Do you see the first uh, day they opened the beaches in California? Someone got bit by a shark. Wow, really? Is that right? Yeah, Wednesday. Well, you ever been to Moonlight Beach, Gordo? Not knowing I was there. Yeah. Right off the 1304? <laughs> where, where is Moonlight Beach? I honestly don't know. Uh, oh. I think it's down by San Diego. Because the TV station reporting it was seven San Diego. So. Well, now the governor says they have to all leave the beach, right? The beaches yep. are closed again. Yep. No, honestly, they closed it. Yeah, right. The whole thing, state parks too. It's it's. What, because of the coronavirus or because of the uh, the, the shark attack? They, no, the, beaches, the coronavirus. Well, the beaches were all closed for, I think, two or three weeks. They reopened Monday, and on Wednesday, this guy got bit by a shark, and they closed that beach down again. And then now they're reclosing the Cal- all, they really? all California beaches. Yeah. Well, wow. Yeah, the governor came out with that yesterday. Uh, Gordon, so do you think do you think the sharks got uh, got a little? Uh, I don't know. Uh, without any people around, they got a little more bold and uh, decided to take back their territory. They got peckish. <laughs> Bad joke. All right. Uh, I don't know, Gordon. That could be. I guess. Seen those stories around where there's like deer wandering through town and stuff, but I don't know. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Oh, man. If that happened in Salt Lake, I mean, we might have uh, cougars roaming around, you know? Okay. It's time for the split story of the day. Let's talk a little college football. Austin? Two guys. Two topics. Two, two, two. two opinions. You talk. Give me two. This is the split story of the day on 97.5, 1280 The Zone. And The Zone Sports Network. You know, you've got uh, people in the SEC country who I'm sure, you know, I, I agree with you. They'll they'll find a way to play yeah. regardless. Yeah. And then, you know, maybe, you know, in California where Gavin Newsom's been very, very careful with this whole thing. And I can't imagine that uh, they'll be too interested in saying, well, the SEC's doing this. Let's open up our campuses. You know, so if, if the Pac-12 doesn't go, but the SEC does go, I always kind of yeah. felt like they couldn't do it. But you think they might separate and the SEC will say, hey, you know, we're just going to do it and you guys figure it out. I just filed a story with Greg Thompson, the commissioner of the Mountain West, as I was intrigued by a quote he had in the Sunday San Diego Union Tribune, where he just kind of wondered rhetorically, you know, if if California isn't open, do we just go with nine? He threw it out there. He didn't answer it. Wow. But for him to say that suggests it's been thought about. And I asked him about that directly, and he kind of, he kind of you know, walked around the subject because – you don't want to admit that, but if you if you've got nine schools and California's closed down, what would it be? San Diego State, Fresno, and San Jose. Yeah. You know, do you do you go with nine? I mean, that's I don't know. So, Gordon, that was Dennis Dodd from earlier today with Hans and Scotty, and uh, talking about college football, the motivation to play a season, obviously, and the loosening restrictions around the country, depending on one state, what state, and sometimes what community that uh, that you live in. And we've had this conversation a little bit when it comes to the NBA, right, and opening up facilities and that sort of thing. But when it comes to college football, this is this is going to be a fairly difficult task. And balancing that against what I thought was a pretty good article uh, that your cohort over there at the Trib, Josh Newman, 
did about budgets in um, university athletic departments. And he interviewed John Hartwell and uh, lays out the situation pretty well on just how narrow the margin is here and how necessary it is for them to get the revenue through the football season. But it's, you know, we've, we've talked about the, the, obstacles that are out there to overcome but what's interesting and you heard Dennis laid out there is the SEC is talking about well we'll play and if you don't want to well that's on you even at the conference level where Craig Thompson is saying well uh, maybe San Diego State Fresno State and San Jose State you guys are out of luck but we're gonna press on with the rest and isn't that interesting that literally when you hear all things are on the table all things are on the table I think some powers that be are so desperate for the money. Everyone wants the thing to function as normal. I mean, that just goes without saying. But there are some people that seem more hell-bent on this than others. And there are you could make arguments in both directions. I mean, you have certain governors are being more conservative, and in their states, they have first and foremost as their goal to keep the people in their state healthy, as healthy as possible. And something tells me down in SEC country, it's not like they're just saying, oh, the heck with people. But football is pretty important to those folks down there. Beyond just the uh, the money for the athletic departments, I'm talking about a way of life. So, yeah, I, I, I don't know how that's going to shake out. It seems weird to me that a conference would play without a fourth of its members. It seems kind of crazy. I mean, but who's in charge here? Is it the government or is it the, uh, the, the, the school presidents, the governors, the commissioner? Who's, who's, who's making the decision? I, I think it's all of the above, Gordon, and that's why pro sports will be easier to bring back than college sports because there's a lot of cooks in the kitchen, so to speak. Uh, but it, it's – I mean – if the governor says no, these state-run universities, which is the majority of them, right, uh, playing D1 athletics, if the governor of that particular state says no, well, then what are you going to do? I mean, there's nothing you can do, right? And I suppose if the governor, uh, the governor says, okay, well, maybe, show me how you're going to do it, then it falls to school chancellors, athletic directors, and those sorts of things. But it does depend on who runs your state. First and foremost, I mean, it would fall on the the federal government, but it appears that the federal government is leaving it up to the states. And yes, people could argue, you know, if that's a good thing or not or a bad thing or not. But in this circumstance, it does make more options available, including the ones we're talking about now, even if they're not particularly appeal, uh, appealing. Well, we've talked in the past, Jake, about how regionalized and to some extent fractured college football is. Uh, and in one region, it might be different than another region. And this is why I have I have clamored for a broader playoff is to standardize that a little bit and, and, and give every conference an opportunity to compete to show whether, you know, they had a what their representation of their conference is. So I've always thought it was fractured, but no. In my in my wildest imagination, did I think it would go to this extent? Oh man, nobody could have foreseen this. I don't think, but it, it shows you um, how 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 regionalized and how fractured this whole thing is. 
this is going to be remarkably interesting to watch because so many of these, as we've talked to different people, and Jake, I know you have as well, there are people out there who really are hell-bent on having college football because of what you described as being a monetary necessity. And if they have to take some chances, I guess they're going to take them, or at least that's their intention. Well, it, it would appear, depending on where they are uh, yeah. and and who's giving them advice uh, on what to do. Yeah, but uh, there's a. Do you th- think that's? Do you think that is? Uh, a, do you agree with me that that's a reflection of how important the game itself is beyond just the budgets, but also the, the sort of the demographics and sociology of, of the attachment to the game? That by golly. I mean, the hell, the whole world could be uh, burning, and uh, the, you know, the hell with it. They're gonna, they're gonna play this game because, in their minds, it has to be played. I, I would rather have leadership err on the side of caution when it comes to the welfare of the general public. But, I mean, apparently, there are various points of view on that subject. Well, there are various points of view and I I get what you're saying to a certain extent with the cultural aspect of it. Uh, but need to be, I mean it it depends on the severity of the situation and what what can or cannot be accomplished safely. So, let me ask I mean, you this. Do you think teams in the SEC are so dependent on their football programs that they couldn't weather the storm of Missing one football season. No, but I don't care about them either. The 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 people in in this conversation that I'm worried about is Utah State, is Weber State, is SUU. Are these athletic departments that can't do that and don't have that luxury of the SEC? And and it's a mere coincidence to me that the SEC is the one clamoring to reopen the loudest because they financially could probably weather it the easiest. But that's. You know, the, there's probably a correlation to that reasoning as well. But uh, I mean, in in Josh's piece in the trip, he he lays out. I mean, it's it's not. I'm worried about the athletic departments, Gordon. I'm not. I'm not personally, and this is my opinion. I I'm not worried about if I'm covering games in the fall. I don't. I don't care about that whatsoever. However, I do care uh, uh, about an athlete that has spent their entire life, like like your daughters, Gordon, playing tennis, uh, for that opportunity to play tennis D1 level in in college, and that's what they've been they've been living their life to accomplish. I'm worried about those opportunities being there, and that may sound Pollyannish, but I. I think there's a lot of value there. Yeah, but everything is balanced against what the risk is. Agreed. I'm not. It, I'm not it, it seems with that. like, but it seems like in some places that that reward that you're talking about is is given more weight as far as measuring it against the risk. And so that's interesting to me that different regions in the country can come to different conclusions in that regard over sports. Well, I think – Look, because the sports thing, the sports angle, yeah, you're talking about athletic departments, but you've got all kinds of businesses out there who are dependent on things as well. And so it, this is the big question across our entire country is at what risk? Is it worth opening things up again? Why? Because the dollars are, are needed. And so here you are. Right. You have the risk and the reward. 
And as I've been saying over and over again, I don't think people are expendable. But uh, uh, that's that's me. I, 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 it sounds like there are people in, in leadership, in government, and other organizations who think it is worth the risk. And whether they, and they, they probably write off the fact that, well, some people are going to die, but by golly, we're going to have football. And that, that that's an interesting uh, way of looking at it. Or they have a different concept of what the risk actually is. I don't want to I don't want to defend these, you know, people uh, in the Southeastern Conference. I don't, I don't know what they're thinking. I do know at the beginning of all of this, you, you and I had a conversation and I told you, man, I hope we elected the right people because they're going to be the ones determining uh, that factor that you talk about because balancing those two things or not doing it is impossible it, it is impossible in this current situation you have to you you in order for society to exist you have to balance those in one way or another and i hope that we trusted the right people to make those decisions but right now the truth is is that different politicians in different parts uh, parts of the country are dealing with this, this in different ways and yeah. some conferences out there are saying well we're going to operate under what the uh, how the government allows us to operate to the fullest capacity that the law will allow that's what we're going to do and i don't know if if i blame a university for thinking that way i don't know if i blame craig thompson for saying all right well you california schools sit tight we'll see what we can do with the rest if that's what we're legally allowed to do so i I guess we can debate on what is morally correct one way or, uh, or another. And I, I think you lay out your side or your opinion quite well. But unfortunately, our opinion, and I say unfortunately, Gordon, because I think you're a really smart guy. But unfortunately, our opinion in this circumstance is just that drifting off into the radio waves because there's some people we've elected in, in this state, particularly uh, because this is what I've been following is here locally. We've empowered people who've empowered other people who hopefully have our best uh, uh, our best uh, outcome at heart as as citizens here locally, but uh, as you point out, definitely across the country, different politicians are di- di- uh, dealing with this different ways. But also, the outbreaks in certain parts of the country are different than the outbreaks in others. You know, this uh, ties into my conversation I had earlier today with Frank Layden uh, because one of the things he stressed, and I I had a, a line or two in the column about this, he said that we need to teach our children the importance of getting involved in the American voting process and to study the issues, study the leaders, and to elect the leaders who we can have confidence in. And if I don't know, as far as various governors go around the country, how, how uh, the, uh, the voters feel about the guys who are in or women who are in office but he was stressing that that is so important. And he asked an interesting question about where are the giants of our society? I did not include this in the column. But he said, where are the giants? Because he was looking back over the difficulties of the past. And he lived through, he was young, but he lived through the Depression. He lived through World War II. He's lived through other wars and seen a lot of things in his time. And he, his question for today is, where are the giants? He said he sees a lot of heroes. He sees a lot of people out there who are doing what seem to be routine jobs, who are freaking heroes, hospital workers, mail carriers, uh, teachers, police officers, firefighters, 
uh, all kinds of people from different walks of life. Anybody who serves society is a freaking hero. But he asks the question, where are the giants? Where are the people we can look to? And that is pretty important. And I think usually when we look back through history and we see times of crisis, there is a leader or two or three or four or five or a hundred who really step up to the challenge at hand with that best interest of society at heart, like you were talking about. And they lead out in the right way. And that's pretty important for us when we face what we're facing today. And where are those guys? I mean, are they, are they out there? Are, is it happening? Uh, I don't know. I, I don't know. I guess maybe we'll have a clearer view in hindsight. But I hope whoever's in charge, if I'm in charge of the SEC and someone makes a declaration and we're going to play football, and I don't know what form that's going to take, but if they're going to play football and people end up getting sick and it ends up killing more people, then, you know, that needs to be accounted for. That needs to be, there needs to be someone to answer for that. And I get the other side of it. I understand the economics of it, too. I mean, there are people hurting with their jobs, with the, with the collateral stuff that goes on, with people who are concessionaires and others who, want, who are dependent upon this, this business to, uh, to make a living. I, I, I get that. But there, who makes the call? Who makes the call about what's most important? The fact that jobs are at stake, very important, and the fact that lives are at stake, very important. Well, politicians, Gordon, whether you like it or not, it's, uh, well, let's see, for you and me, that would be President Trump down to Governor Herbert to Jenny Wilson to uh, Mayor, how do you say his name, Gordon, Silvestrini? And everything in between. Well, I hope, I hope, uh, I hope to make the right decisions, because apparently there's disagreement. You don't say. Yep. All right. Let's get out of the zone phone. Joining us now uh, from the warehouse, two locations to serve you, 1967 South, 300 West in Salt Lake City, 86 East University Parkway, right there in Orem. Joining us now, our good friend, Tom. Tom, how are you? What's going on? My friends, I am well, and good. I hope that you guys and all your families are well. Yeah, doing well, and uh, you know, nice that uh, we're getting news that things are, are kind of we're moving into a little bit of a different phase, and folks are going to be able That's to uh, take care of probably some some things like mattress needs that they uh, didn't know they had before this whole thing started. That's exactly right. Let me tell you, we had um, an incredible weekend last weekend, which gave us a little bit of light at the end of this craziness tunnel. We found uh, that people with this uh, check to help them and their lives during this virus are buying new mattresses. A lot of people are wanting to understand what is the adjustable bed deal. And so I bought this week. We ran out of our King deal, that unprecedented deal we did with King. So I went out and I found 10 sets. So that'd be 20 pieces. So that is 10 beds that are a king bed made by one of the finest makers in the industry. This is a king, solid king adjustable bed, and we have a gel-infused mattress. I actually have um, 
this mattress, if you went out shopping for it, Jake, would cost you about $1,600, and the base would cost you about $1,200. And this is the deal we did two weeks ago at $999. I now have 10 sets, actually nine, because we sold one this morning. I have nine sets left at $999 for a $2,800 normal package. This is a fully automated, electric, adjustable king bed with a gel-infused memory foam mattress. This, I said it was a -a once-in-a-lifetime deal. You will never see this price again. I I bought everything that there was remaining, and uh, we're going to blow them out at a boom deal, $999. And I want to remind you, we still have the queen... The queen deal at four ninety nine, and then I have a nicer mattress. I got them yesterday that we can do at five ninety nine. You're going to buy a queen adjustable bed cheaper than you can buy this mattress normally. Uh, I've got deals that we'll talk about all day, but that is the big deal of the weekend: a king adjustable bed with a gel infused memory foam mattress, only nine hundred and ninety nine dollars. We are the warehouse. We have two convenient locations. Salt Lake and Norham. Jake, nobody does the address better than you, so I'm going to just boom it out to you. I'm on it, Tom. Thank you, sir. 86 East University Parkway in Orem, 1967 South, 300 West in Salt Lake. The great Tom from the warehouse. Take advantage of those fantastic deals. More next on The Big Show, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Utah's most listened to sports radio afternoon show. This is the Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott. Sponsored by Mountain America Credit Union. Guiding members forward for over 80 years on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Round, round, get around. I get around. Yeah, get Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5, 1280 The Zone. We're going to have Frank Layden join the show coming up next at the top of the 3 o'clock hour. want to remind you about our friends at Syringa Networks, home to complete business, telecom, and IT solutions backed by an industry-leading SLA that guarantees the uptime your business needs. It's effective communication for 21st century Utah. Get started now at syringanetworks.net. I like the Beach Boys selection, Austin. It, you know, I think we all wish we could be outside at the beach. Maybe get a little flavor of that, right? Makes you a little uh, happier to hear the Beach Boys, doesn't it? Gordon, I know well, you've unless been... Unless you're being attacked by a shark, then that's uh, not a place you'll want to be. Well, you could be, you know, in prison and hear Pavarotti and not feel great. But it, it's you, the idea of it. We were just, have you ever been near a shark? We were just talking about how good we feel. <laughs> and that sounds like a setup about for him to one-up us. How beach... <laughs> We wish we were at the beach, and at least we could have that vibe on the show. And then we talk about people getting eaten by sharks. Why? Why do we have to go? We start off the show with you just hating on me and cooking dinner somehow. <laughs> and now we're we're doing this. Ah, oh, feel good. Wish we were no. at the beach, <laughs> soaking in some rays, and then you know, bam. What about the sharks? Terrific. Thanks. Where do you want to go, Gordon? Well, Jay, uh, us is the one that brought up the shark attack, not me. I'm just, you know. Uh, I, you know, if, if you've ever come face-to-face with a shark, you know it's a frightening experience. And I, I won't get into my – well, I will if you want, because I I have stared into the, the dark black eyes of a shark before. Sharks are SOBs. 
caught one once, but, you know, they are to be avoided. Far be it for me to get in your way there, Gordon. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to derail the conversation. Where were we headed? I love your stories, Gordon. Please tell another. You know, fins up. Where are we going? I don't know. Who else is uh, perishing? Let's talk about that. (laughs) No. Let's keep it happy, huh? I could roll my ankle on the way to the store. Let's talk about the pothole problem in this uh, in this <laughs> county. Let's uh, let's get into all of that. Uh, no, Gordon, uh, give us a little preview. You wrote about Frank Layden today in your column. Uh, we're going to talk to Frank coming up next, but uh, just kind of give us the the gist. Uh, of course, we'll go down other avenues with Frank when he jumps on with us. But uh, why you wanted to talk to him and uh, what was uh, you were trying to get out there? I, uh, I I sat down and I thought, okay, who in our community would be someone who could dispense advice that would be valuable to 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 all of us and frank's name was one of the first that came to my mind uh 88 years old 88 years young has seen a lot been through a lot experienced a lot and i thought he might be able to uh bring some perspective to what's going on in the world and in our community and that he might be able to uh, to help us along, and uh, he didn't disappoint. All right, so we're going to talk to Frank coming up right around the corner. Stay tuned, uh, stay tuned for that. What's going on? We're going to push back to three thirty. Sam Amick at the top of the four o'clock hour. It is the big show, ninety-seven five and twelve eighty in the zone.